Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. As always, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home in the Bryan, College Station, Texas, or surrounding areas, look no further than Laura Lee Smith. All you have to do is give her a call or text her and start the conversation. It's completely free and see why me and my family chose her to help us find our dream home and she did not disappoint. Her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Also, my friend Danny has started his own business called C5 Mobile RV Repair. You can go follow him on Facebook or you can save his number if you have a vacation on wheels, as I call it, a camper, a trailer, an RV, whatever it may be, a thing on the deer lease. He comes out to you, he fixes the issue, and has you back running in no time. He does great work, and you can trust him. His number is 936-465-3136. That's 936-465-3136. If you would like to support this podcast monetarily, head over to 95adventures.com and check out any of the custom coffee blends that we have in stock over there on the website. If you would like to support the podcast the most important way, and it's free of charge, that is like, rate, and review this podcast on the platform that you listen to it on, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, screenshot the episode, and then post it on your social media, and that means so much. You can tag us, not tag us, whatever, just know that we appreciate that so much, and it really helps the podcast out. This episode of the podcast is with the Rogue Scholar himself, Paul Watkins. He is known for his ultra running and being a great dad and father and his public speaking and so many different things. He ran and won the Arctic 6633, but before he won it, he failed and did not finish. He has a great story and I really love talking to him because he's such a down-to-earth great guy with a great message and so much information that we can just absorb and soak in to anything that we want to apply in life. And you'll hear that in the conversation that we have here on this episode. So please, without any further delay, enjoy this conversation with Paul Watkins. Now we are recording. We are go. Yep, for sure. Paul, thanks for being on again. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I'm stoked to be back. <laughs> stoked you're back. Now, were you the were we the first podcast you did, or you'd done some before, like, we got our thing started? No, you were the first, because I, I still, like, chuckle. I remember when you were saying, you were like, oh, we contacted this guy to come on, and I'm nervous about it. And I'm on the other end going, this guy contacted me, I'm nervous about it. And let's see how it goes. <laughs> and then since then, you've done quite a few podcasts, haven't you? Yeah, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it, kind of having these really far-ranging conversations with people about different stuff. Like, it, you kind of start to realize how broad a medium podcasts are and how many people you can reach. Like, And then I look back at the, the volume of podcasts I listen to, and you're like, it's such a good medium. It's just amazing. It really is. It's a lot of fun, and a lot of people get information from it. Mm. So, I mean... It really, like, that's what I do. I hear people, like, I see posts like yours, and I'll click on the podcast uh, that you were on, and then I'll follow that guy and listen to a couple of his shows, and you, you just get so much. Um, I like it because it's filling your time with education yeah. versus just, like, music or something mind-numbing, you know? Like, if you have a lot of time at work or you're driving or something, it really, like, it's like, okay, I might as well do something that benefits me. Yeah, exactly. You end up going down like a deep rabbit hole. Like it's funny you're saying like you know you rather than listening to music, which is something on the background. Like I, I did that. I like you know 
Spotify used to be all my training music and stuff, and then I got into podcasts and more podcasts and more podcasts. The other day, I went back to Spotify and it said, "Here's your most listened to stuff," and it's all the stuff that my kids have got into, and they obviously got access to my Spotify. So it's like all these Paw Patrol songs and Doggy songs, and like little little kids songs from TV shows. I'm like, uh, I'm like I have clearly not listened to any music in a long time. It's completely destroyed my yearly playlist. It's gone. There is nothing more true than what you just said in this house as well. Um, my yeah. The Newsies, so my stepdaughter had a uh, a play at school, and it was the Newsies, and I helped her with it, and I would sing parts with her or whatever, but uh, that yeah. was, I don't know, three months ago, and she listens to them all the time, nonstop. She loved it. And so it comes on automatically in my truck now. My phone automatically starts <laughs> playing the Newsies when I get in the truck. I'm like, what? How do I make it stop? How do I make it stop? Yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, I really, I know I had a whole bunch, a list of things to talk to you about and all that good stuff, but then I started reading your blog post and I know we had this a little bit before the, the thing, but I wanted to do this on there. But the first one that I really like started reading was that, uh, and the truth shall set you free one. Yeah. Um, and, and then the one right below it, which is why Warren Buffett doesn't swim naked. And you read it, and you, like I started reading that that bottom one, I was like, "Huh, then that makes sense. That makes sense." But the more you get, I got into reading that article, the more I was like, "Wow, that's that's good stuff. Like it's good lessons for everybody." Just saying that um, that quote that like, what did you? Let's see, what did you do at the beginning of it? It's only the it's only when the oh, tide goes out. Go ahead. Who's been swimming naked? Yeah. Yeah. But it really makes sense the way you explain it. I don't, uh, and I just love where your blog has gone from like the beginning to then reading them now. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a really, I haven't had a structured plan on it. It's a case of going, I don't know, people say, you know, you should, should post up on a schedule and do this and do that. But I'm really a case of going, if I come across something and I, and I feel I've got something of value to say and I can kind of add some value to the discourse, then I'll write it and it'll, it'll come out. Um, versus going, oh, you know, you've got to write every week and you've got to post it up every week. It's like, then I feel like I'm just throwing stuff at people for the sake of ticking off that I've thrown stuff at people. Um, and I generally find with my blogs, I know if I've kind of got it right, so to speak, for me, because I can write it very quickly. It's normally a, a sit-down stream of consciousness go back, you know, fix up all my spelling errors and a few tweaks and edits and then get my wife to read it and then she fix up all the real, you know, all the spelling errors <laughs> and the grammatical mistakes. And then it can go out. So I feel when it's when it's right, it's quite easy to read. Um, whereas if I'm, uh, if I'm really struggling to kind of get the words out and get it down on paper, I know that it's not right yet. So it'll get put back on the back burner for a while. So, But I, I really enjoy the fact that it's kind of just, it's taken me down some different different avenues and, and opened up some really good discussions. Well, does it now? Does all this stuff like your blog post, uh, the things you write about, and then your public speaking, did it all come and really start from winning that Arctic race? Yeah, I think it did. Like I, I've done a lot of public speaking before um, winning that race, um, but a lot of the discussion had been around dealing with failure. So. Um, I had a, a fairly solid mountaineering background before that and had big mountain climbs that have been successful and others that have been unsuccessful. So talking to you about how how teamwork kind of plays out in the mountains and, and how you deal with things that have gone right and wrong and things you're out of control. Um, but a lot of that was kind of local stuff. 
Um, but then doing that race and then winning that race gave me a much better platform to go out and talk to a much broader range of people. So it's partly the, the, the thought process and the things I talk about with stuff that I'd always been thinking about. Um, but I've now got a bit, bit better platform to get out and kind of share some of those thoughts, uh, which has been really good, been really fortunate. Well, and and I think you come from this is what makes it unique and we just watched the UFC fight last night and McGregor beats Cowboy and it's all about like McGregor and and everything I don't know if you pay attention to the UFC or not but yeah. I'm, I'm a big Cowboy fan and he's one of my favorites just because of the, the person that he is and then yeah. it, it's one of those moments and I, I told my wife I told a couple other people it's like you watch McGregor win and it's fancy and all that and you're like wow it's impressive and then you hear Cowboy talk afterwards and how he handles a loss and you're like I'm a bigger fan that this did more for Cowboy than it did for Connor in that yeah, situation yeah. because he handled it so like not just professional but genuine and it's the way like you think that's the way you're supposed to handle life and so your perspective is yeah. kind of the same like you went out there and you lost that first race and then yeah. You come back and all you want to do is finish and you end up winning. Yeah, I think particularly today, like that that's a really good example you give, like the way Cowboy responded and his behavior and mannerisms and professionalism after that often gets lost in all the noise of the people at the front waving and yelling and screaming and stuff. Um, and I think it's important to get that message of like how he behaved out to people and I find this when I talk to particularly like um, school groups so if you're talking to kids who are coming through a late high school and getting ready to kind of make you know big choices about what they're going to do career wise and go to uni and stuff the message that seems to resonate more with them is if you get it all wrong that's okay that makes you normal like if you don't if you're 15 and you have no idea what you want to do with the rest of your life that makes you normal that's okay and if you try something and it turns out you made the wrong choice and it doesn't work for you or it doesn't suit or it wasn't a major success the first time, it just makes you normal and that's okay. So now the skill set is learning how to deal with that and how you move forward because the likelihood isn't that you're going to make the right decision every time all the time in your life. Like that's just not going to work. You're going to fail. So the best value we can give you is to teach you how to deal with a failure in a good, positive, professional way because that's how your life's going to work. It's not going to be win after win after win. Um, so, but often that message gets a little lost. Is that what you normally talk about like in your and when you do your public speaking or I mean is that what people ask you to do because I'm fascinated with it and y your ability like you being the perfect example of that and what you said where it gets lost in a normal 15 year old heck yeah that's the normal I think it's almost abnormal to know exactly what you want to do and then follow that path like and then never lose sight of it from 15 on it never changes that's that's like the abnormal the normal would be Man, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Hell no. <laughs> but that's it. But people forget that. They think that, that, that you know, having that passion from when you're 15 and it becomes your entire life and you're an ex, you know, a real expert at it, that's the rarity. That's the outlier. That's not normal. Um, but because it gets the noise and the attention, people think that that's your benchmark and that's where you have to be. Um, so going back to the original question, what I talk to about with people differs on who I'm speaking to. So I often find with 
high schools, that story resonates of how you deal with failure and, and moving forward and giving yourself permission to go try something. And if it doesn't work, understanding that that's normal and that's okay. And now we just come up with a plan of how we deal with it and what we do next. And that resonates well with kids. I feel kids, you, you can really turn the dial for them. You can really make a difference. But when you're working with you know adults who are really set into work, family, pressure, all the stuff that comes with all of that, it's a little harder to move the dial. So often the conversation is a little bit different and their priorities and their decisions are kind of facing a little bit different as well. So yeah, high schoolers are talking about a different aspect. Um, and then when we get into kind of, you know, business or corporate or, you know, elite sporting areas, we're having different conversations because we're going, well, you've got some life experience and you've probably had some setbacks or taken a few hits. So let's talk about what you did and how that went and what are the tools and how does that look moving forward because we can kind of have a, a slightly different conversation. Isn't it It's fascinating to me that it translates, though, like you're, you're stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something uh, just totally seems like, man, this guy's crazy. He wants to hike across the Arctic or run 50 or 100 miles or whatever it is, you know, in these, and, or climb to the top of this mountain. And like that translates into business, into life, into a 15-year-old sitting in a high school. Yeah, exactly. And it gives them a window into something different. And I think the story is the vehicle, I, I think. And I often say this when I'm um, particularly meeting with students to say, this is, there's no test at the end of this, okay? You can forget everything in your, that I'm about to tell you and your life will be okay. That's fine. There's no test at the end. But we're not going to have a checklist and you don't get a five-point plan and, you know, here's the book with the first three steps and the form you have to fill out at the end. We just tell the story. And then we talk about what we learn or what you might extract from the story because people remember stories. like They resonate and you'll talk about it and you'll put yourself in it and you have feelings about it versus going, well, we're going to sit down. I'm going to give you a five-point plan about how you're going to manage the rest of your life and it'll be a test at the end. And if you fail that, we'll put you in a different group and, and that kind of stuff. I think people need to share stories and people undervalue how important or fascinating their story might be to someone else or the impact it might have. That's that's also, and I've realized that doing the podcast. There's a couple things that I've realized and that I've gotten better at. And one, less small talk and realizing what small talk actually is and more meaningful conversations. Like meaningful conversations with humans at all aspects of my life, whether I'm going to the gym or I'm at work or I'm making a sales call. Like really understanding the point of a genuine meaningful conversation and getting information out of it and, and like almost you know like really getting to know that other person versus yep. just the small talk of it and then I, like just sharing the stories and how fascinating everybody really is like everybody's got these crazy stories that you don't you know they've been through stuff they've overcome things you know everybody's interesting you just got to like we just don't look at it that way yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I wrote about this a while ago, going, and we're all guilty of this. Like you go somewhere and you meet people and you ask them what they do and they tell you their job and then you make a whole bunch of assumptions based off what their job is and then you kind of pigeonhole them based on that. Um, and it tells you nothing about them as a person at all. It just tells you, my career path is this and now I do this job and that's it. And like, give yeah, it. I'm missing out on all the background and the kind of the light and the shade and the colour about who you are as a real person like you are not your job 
Um, and the, the flip side of that is when people lose their job or have a job that doesn't have a, you know, a pay packet, a, a salary attached to it, and all of a sudden it becomes kind of difficult to pigeonhole them or put them in air or understand them or get to relate to them and those kind of things. So I think as a society we just... We're very quick to go, what's your job? Oh, you're a white collar or a blue collar, you're a doctor or you drive a forklift. Okay, cool, I'm just going to you know, make all these assumptions about your whole life based off your, your answer to that one question. When in reality, you just miss out on all the good stuff. Yeah, you really do. Like, And I think that's part of the thing. Uh, so that one blog post you read, it kind of like that I read, the, the um, it, it kind of segmented into, but I'm not an athlete. And not putting like talking about not putting labels on yourself, uh, yeah. You know, and like you're saying, it's kind of ties into the same thing where you know you're you can't look at somebody and just, or just find out what they do as a profession. You didn't want to label yourself as an athlete because you're trying to show people that this dad, you know, that raises kids and had his own business and he's not necessarily this physical specimen of what you think an athlete should be. Just did all these things because he decided to. Yeah, exactly. And people, it works both ways. People put um, a label on themselves and that might limit them. And the other option is you put a label on someone else and not on yourself and use that as an excuse for why you can't do that. Oh, that that guy's an athlete, clearly. I mean, look at him and he does this and does that. Uh, I'm not an athlete, so it's okay that I'm not worrying about my health and my fitness or that kind of stuff because I'm not an athlete. That's okay. So you're actually using... You're labeling someone else or kind of not applying a label to yourself to give yourself an out. Like, oh, I don't have to be fit or do this or do that. Because I'm not an athlete. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. So it can be quite dangerous as well. It kind of works both ways. Yeah, and I mean, it's really a struggle for somebody who has either competed or, like, maybe you were on the high school team or maybe you were in collegiate. You know, for me, it was – I told the story the other day. It's like – I. I skated at a high level, right? And did extreme sports. And then I don't do it for 18 years and I pick it up again and I can't do, I can still do, you know, muscle memory. I can do a lot of, a lot of the things and have a lot of fun, but I can, I'm nowhere close to what I was when I stopped and that's okay. But dealing with that mentally can be a struggle. Sometimes I'm like, man, I really feel like I should just nail this. Like this is something I used to do all the time and now I can't and I expect to do it because I did it so much. But then at the same time, I have to take a step back and like, man, you're not that, you're not that thing. You're having fun doing this activity now and you have to learn how to deal with it. And so like that really kind of struck a chord reading that, like labeling yourself. If I label myself as an extreme athlete or a skater, then that's where my identity is tied into. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the risk too is what if you don't have that that label anymore? And I, you know, particularly when it comes to the job thing, you know, if you've if you've put your entire self worth or value into your job, like I'm a doctor or I'm a an accountant or whatever it is you are, what happens when the job's gone and all of a sudden you don't have a, a yardstick to value yourself by anymore and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, hang on. I think people that can be quite a, a downward spiral for people if you know the, the ground moves under your feet and all of a sudden you don't have that, that job or that role or what have you um, all of a sudden you, you're kind of lost at sea so I think it's really important to say yes you are you know the accountant or the doctor or you drive the forklift or whatever it is you do 
but don't undersell all the other stuff that you do that adds value to your story and then adds value to the people that are kind of around you and in your circle. So, you know, for people say to me, like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, you need to sit down. Like, it's a 10-minute answer. I can't give you a one word on that. Like, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do that, I'm a start and dad, all this kind of stuff. But for me, I love that because I'm like, all of these things add value to my life in different ways. And there are times when some of them don't add value, they might detract value because, you know, this business venture isn't going the way I thought it would or the kids are really testing me at the moment and I'm kind of going, oh, I didn't really nail the dad thing this week, like I struggled with that. So it gives you some flexibility to go, okay, I add value in lots of different ways and that's a, a sliding continuum. So don't pin all your hopes and all your value on the one title that you think is the most important realizing your story is pretty diverse and, and be be good with that what is the like do you because i don't really identify myself and i learned not to and i don't really know how i did um you know what i mean like i don't really know the process do you have any like would you have any thing to say on how you cannot identify yourself as your job because when people put so much time and effort into paying bills and wanting money and wanting the next thing like the house and you know the car and providing for your family becomes your goal and then that like it just it gets overwhelming as an adult it can get overwhelming to just have that on your mind constantly all the time bills and you know the next bigger greatest thing and making sure they go to college and all that good stuff so what are some tips or advice like if you have any as to how to not identify yourself with your profession or as this one thing yeah i think that the the move that has delivered the most value for me is creating space and i, and I talk about this with both like students and, and adults particularly like it, it applies right across the gamut and what i mean by creating space is you have to give yourself some room to breathe, like literally breathe and mentally and emotionally and spiritually for that thing. You, you have to carve yourself out a little bit of space with no noise and a bit of time to actually stop, turn the sound down and all the other stuff that's going on in your life and give yourself a moment to actually reflect on what you're doing and, and what you've achieved and the good stuff. And, and it really gets back to a little bit about, you know, people talk about you know, gratitude and empathy and these are real buzzwords at the moment. But for me, it's really been about finding some quiet space where you can kind of reflect a little bit and go, I do do a lot of stuff. And, you know, that stuff went really well. I did a good job there. And, okay, that wasn't that great. But what can I do about it? Don't just keep beating yourself up over it. Like, really giving yourself some room to reflect on what you're doing where you're at and the positive things that are in there. I think that helps you kind of turn the dial down. There's so much noise, there's so much stuff getting held at you from every direction all the time. It's just overwhelming. And one of the things that I've found, one of the reasons I think I love going on races in weird places and climbing big mountains and that kind of stuff is that you remove yourself from modern life completely. Like there was, I've got a video on my phone of a, a spot in that Arctic race last year where I realised from a moment going, it is completely silent here, like I'm on my own. And the, the wind had dropped, and there was literally not a decibel of sound at all. And it was kind of shocking to go, I can't hear anything, like, there's nothing at all. I don't have a phone that works, or anything of the sort, like I can't connect with it. Just, this is completely removed from 
everything that you think of of modern society. And it was beautiful. It was fantastic. And I think we've just, in your modern life, if you can't run away to the Arctic and get that, you, you kind of miss out on having that quiet space of creating that room. So I think that's the key thing. Find a behaviour that you can do that allows you to have a little bit of space. And it doesn't, you don't have to become like a yoga master or a Buddhist monk. You just need to go, hey, I need some time on a regular basis. And it might be, I'm going to go outside for five minutes at the end of the day and have a cup of tea, watch the sun go down or watch it come up in the morning or turn everything off and just have a little bit of quiet time to breathe and just reflect on the day, whatever it is. You need to carve that out for yourself. And that will make a huge difference. And best of all, it's free. You don't have to do anything. You don't need an app. You don't need to buy them. You do it. You can just enjoy it. And, and I think that's where people get lost, but I think that's where you can get the most value out. It is It is crazy how it's everything, you know, I, and even in my mind now, it's like, okay, just look for an app for something. Google it. Look for something <laughs> over here. Search yeah. it up. But there is something so special um, about just seeing the sunset and the sunrise that is amazing. Like just taking yeah. a few moments, watching it, like a cup of coffee in the morning, watching the sunrise. Like there's there's nothing like it, especially if you go out to the coast where you can see it come up off the water. You know, like yeah. Uh, yeah. there's yeah. there is just you can't replace it. Like I always talk about, I go to Santa Fe. Santa Fe has the craziest sunsets. Like the colors are just mm. amazing. Like all these different areas. Traveling has really done that that sort of thing for me now that you bring it up. Like you travel, yeah. go to Hawaii, you go to Utah in the mountains, you know, you, wherever it is, and you see the sunrise. I, I always want to get up and watch the sunrise and just have a little yep. moment there of just like, man, I'm appreciating where I'm at right now at its fullest. Yeah, and it's free. And you don't need anyone to help you do it. You don't need to blog about it or, or you know, photo it and post it on the grams or whatever. It's like, this is time for you to have a little moment and look back and go, wow, we're doing some, we, we got some stuff right, we've got some stuff wrong, so what are we going to do moving forward? And, and let's be positive about the breadth and depth of all the stuff I had that goes on in my life and you start to discover some pretty amazing stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's easy to get lost in the, the noise and the, the rah, rah and all the stuff that's going on when the answer is, hey, just take that five minutes just and, and see where it builds from. And it might just stay at five minutes for you. Just, you know, i got five minutes today, then the, the kids are going bananas and the dog's barking and I've got to get back to work and this or whatever. But it might become more than that. It might become, hey, on the weekend, I'm going to grab an hour and go for a walk on Sunday nights just to breathe and have a bit of quiet. I'm not going to listen to any music. I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm just going to take it nice and easy and then come back and I'm ready for a better day or a better week or those kind of things. And those little things are just massively undervalued today in society. And you feel like you come up with your better, your best ideas when you take those little moments, like you write better blog posts later on, you, you, know, you speak better at your public speaking, you know, you get ideas for your next race and how to, how you may handle it and all those sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. It just gives you a little, it gives your brain some room to kind of throw some stuff out, reorganize some stuff and just have some downtime. I mean, if you think of just the sheer volume of input that's coming at you all the time, sometimes you need to turn that off and have a break. And look, I talked to this about um, in the business world, like talking to, to people who are at work and who are in stressful environments. And I'll say to them, you know, put your hand up, who uses exercises and stress release, you know, after when he says, yeah, we do that. Cool. And how many of you go in the gym and just absolutely go hammer and tong when you do that? Oh, yeah, totally, man. You've got to do that. So, well, don't forget that 
your body doesn't differentiate between the stress you put it under and the stress it finds itself under. It's just all stress. Your body just responds the same way. So sooner or later at some point, you need to respect the physiology and actually turn the dial right down and let your body kind of unwind and, and move and let a few things flow out. So I find that is really super valuable mentally and physically to go, hey, sometimes you need to actually turn the stress dial down from 11 down to one or two for a little bit. And you can do that yourself. So do that. It's and so I talk about like the, all this stuff kind of ties into the way I felt as you know being stressed and having to take care of two kids, you know, and then I joined the CrossFit gym, and that this is the reason that I love this place was because when I went in, I never talked about my job. I didn't talk about what I did. I, I was Aaron. I was real and true Aaron when I was in there and meeting people and talking about, in fact, there was all these rumors about like, they, they were, they all thought I was like a CIA agent or they undercover. Or they like, they had all these things that they talk about like, no man, I just work a regular old, you know, 10 hour, 12 hour a day job. Like, you know, for a contractor for the oil field. Like it's not anything crazy or special. You know, I'm, I'm no, I'm nobody like that. It's just, I got to be me. And have genuine conversations with people, and it was so refreshing. Refreshing. Uh, I never went back the other way. Like when people come in, almost the last question I ask them is what they do for a living. You know, I want to know who they are as a person, like what they like to do. You know, talk about them and get things out yeah. that that they enjoy. That's usually far more interesting. Like that's where all the cool stories are. Yeah, find all the interesting stuff. Like that's that's the good stuff. Yeah, and 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 so like my sort of alone time and my stress relief time was that hour that I had in the gym. That hour that I went there and I, you know, I worked out, but then I would talk for, you know, what, 30, 45 minutes of it was working out. And then the last 15 to 30 minutes that I was there, um, really just sitting down and having a conversation. And then I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the outside world behind everything that, everything that bothered me and the stress. And I felt this, crazy relief and that's what i realized looking back on it that that's why i was so drawn to it is that it gave me the relief i needed from the stress that i didn't even know i had yeah you're decompressing and that's how you decompress um whether you're kind of cognizant of that's your way of doing it or whether you just knew you felt better doing that that was a way for you to kind of decompress from all the other stuff that's going on in your world at the time um but you have to kind of experiment or make, take the time to kind of find the way that resonates with you as to how you kind of let the pressure out or decompress to kind of, oh, okay, I've, I've had a bit more quiet time and it allows some things to bubble up that maybe were getting buried under all the other noise. And a real thing where you can tie all these worlds together is that you've kind of been a part of all of it. Like you've done your own thing, had your own business where you had all these crazy stresses and worked all these hours to... Now I'm going to go start climbing mountains and running races and doing what I love to do. And, you know, to, to being a dad that takes care of his kids and works, you know, does his own thing still and makes money doing what he loves to do. It's, you've kind of, you've seen both and been successful at both sides. Yeah. And I think that gives me a unique perspective. I think that the thing it's taught me the most and the thing that I see the most in, particularly in business stuff and business people I talk to is that 
today problems aren't linear. You can't fix it from one avenue. Oh, we, we need this person to fix that and just that expertise. It's like everything's complex because it involves people and people are complex. So you kind of need to start drawing from all these different fields to find a really good solution to a lot of these issues. Um, and that's where I found that, like even with my blogs, like I will often get kind of two or three little bits from really different fields. And for me, in my weird brain, they'll connect and I'll go, hey, that, that makes sense to me. And I think that's a story that's worth telling and might add some value to people who are reading it. Um, so quite often, the, and I've just started doing, I just did in my last blog, we're going, at the end of it, I just put, People often go, man, where, where does your brain go? Like, where are you getting, like, how do you come up with some of this stuff? I'm like, well, here's kind of the three resources that, that I pull this from there and this from there and that from there, and then they kind of tie well in my brain, and, and that's how I came up with this piece to try and show people where you get these different things come in. Do you find but you have to give yourself the opportunity to explore that, to kind of find those connections and let those things kind of tie up. Yeah, and do you, do you find that that doing so many different things, like, trying so many different avenues, meeting so many different people, that that has, like, the the cause of that is you get to look at things from other people's perspective a lot more often? Yeah, I think not only other people's perspective, but it just gives you a different toolkit. You, you're not going, oh, I, I work in this field and all my tools relate to that. And that's, that's the only thing I think of. I can look at things, and because I've had different experiences with different people in different fields, I've got this broad range of stuff going, hey, I, I met this guy at a client, and we talked about this, and he was in this industry, and it has nothing to do with anything I've ever done, but I reckon it, it could help you guys here with this issue or that, and you may not have come across it any other way. Like, it just, you know, I often said to people, if when I was in business, when you're interviewing people, if I had two people that I was interviewing for a job and one of them travelled and one of them haven't, I'd always lean towards a person that had travelled because they have experience, like life experience, and they've had to deal with different things, whether it's, you know, different cultures or things not going right or understanding how to operate in different environments. And I think that adds a lot of value and gives people a broader toolkit just to deal with stuff, a little extra resilience and a mind that kind of thinks in different avenues rather than going, oh, I'm linear, I'm A to B and this is the tools I use and I just stick in my lane and that's it. So I think that exposure really helps. Oh, man, I can't agree with more than that. Like, you know, from, from growing up in the valley, like a place where you're kind of, it feels like the end of the earth. I know you're in Australia, but I mean, it felt like I was at the end of the earth. You know, it was forever to get anywhere. Um, we didn't have all the resources to get out of there to go see something, you know? And so it was like, you're just kind of stuck in your, those, the people there are just kind of stuck in their own little town away from everybody else in this sheltered little bubble. And then when I escaped it and like, I say escape it in a weird way. I don't really, that <laughs> sounds really cheesy. I don't, I, I don't mean it the way I just said it, but when you, when I got out and got to see the different cultures and the different people and other towns and other places, you realize how similar everybody is, but how different they are and how interacting with the different people is so enjoyable. Like it just, it, it makes my mind, it, it like refreshes it, gets it going like a hundred miles an hour. And I feel so invigorated after I'm done, like, man, I'm ready to go on the next trip. Like I just want to keep going and going and seeing new places and talking to new people. And so traveling is, and the education that you, you get, you cannot replace it. 
Like you can't replace going and meeting the people that you meet and seeing the different things and the cultures and how they handle things and how they deal with stress and how they deal with everyday life. Like you learn so much from seeing other people in other places. I I couldn't agree more with you on the travel part. Yeah, the the flippies I find, you come home and you realize the good things that you have at home that suddenly, you know, you maybe not took for granted, but you knew it was good. But then you come back home and you've got a different you know, yardstick to measure things against. And you look at these things and now stand out in your life and go, man, we have a good, like, you know what? Things that used to frustrate me, I'm like, oh, that's really not a big issue as I thought it was. Like, I remember um, the first time I traveled to Nepal, it was the first time I'd kind of been to somewhere that wasn't kind of in a first world. Uh, and you, you, you look at the lifestyle that people had there and some of the, the outer areas and stuff, and you're like, this is the you know, this is how other people live. Like not everyone has all the things that you have. Some people have a very vastly different experience of life. So I think that travel also allows you to come home and have some deeper gratitude for going, man, some things are pretty good here. And the things that I thought weren't that good aren't really that bad. So yeah, there's so much value in um, getting out and exposing yourself to different cultures and if it you know travel isn't something that's available to everybody and i really understand that um but at the very least expose yourself to people who may not be the normal people you speak to and they could be living down the road you know just throw yourself out there to go we're going to try something different go somewhere different eat a different food talk to someone who you you know is just absolutely not in your circle of people and just open yourself up and see what you find that's really the ticket right there and i think that's that's one thing where like hearing your races and watching you know i've never done an ultra but now i find myself my brother's trying to run you know, like he's trying to train for a 50 miler and he hates running yep. but he just loves getting out and doing like weird things and pushing himself and i find myself yeah. going man maybe i should do that with him like maybe i should try it and push myself and well, go to these limits that's how it starts man that's and, how they get you and well yeah and and but i'm addicted so i'm addicted to that adventure part where I want to do the unknown. I want to do something really challenging that forces me like to do something tough because whenever you, it's not the, the finishing that's awesome. It's the fact that you went through something tough and your appreciation level for everything outside of that. And then knowing what it takes to get to that point. And then you, your appreciation level just raises up like for everything that you do, like, the feeling of yeah. not having that hurt feeling in your legs or not whatever it is, you, you go, Oh, I completed this race and I'm, I, I didn't like this hurt feeling, but man, I did it. I pushed through it, you know, and now I have an appreciation for how hard it is to run these crazy races I see on TV, you know, and, and like it just opens your eyes to everything. So you can get it not from just traveling, but from, from activities. Yeah. So there's, just listening to them made me think of two things. So the first is like people undervalue the transition. What happens to you in the preparation or the lead up or preparing to do these kind of events particularly? Um, and they under they undersell themselves in terms of going, if you've done all the work, it doesn't really matter how the race went because some things can be out of your control. You could do all that training and you go and do this 50-mile race and like two miles in, you trip and sprain your ankle and the race is over. But you still have all the value of all the work and the hard effort and the discipline and the training and the mindset stuff that you're getting, getting there in the first place. And people often go, oh, the race went badly, so the whole thing's a write-off. I'll never do it again. It was a complete waste of time. 
well, hang on, let's let's have a look at who you've become in getting to the point that you could just be at the start line and have a chance of doing it. Um, and the, the flip is, um, I've talked about this a bit, is that in today's society, um, comfort is the default position. So to go out and do something difficult, you have to choose to do that. And that's, I think, really powerful to go, I'm going to choose to get fitter or go through this hardship of training or preparing for this or getting out of my comfort zone, not because I have to, but because I've chosen to. And that's really, really important, I think, in in making that decision to go, I'm going to do the hard thing by choice, not because I have to. That that changes people. That's insane. Like, I never thought of it from that point of view before, but you're so right. Like, people before, like, even in history, you know, our ancestors... They didn't have a choice. They had it hard. No. You know, like yeah. uh, like people have it hard without a choice. And for us, in order for us to learn, you know, that just like blows my mind because in order for us to learn uh, the value of things, we have to make a choice to make it hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when, when you choose the harder road by choice, the fact that you were making that choice consciously going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the harder thing, that changes you that adds value to you you're strengthening yourself versus what is very easy today in society is going I'm going to go the comfort way man like if I can't be bothered getting up I'll just order it and they'll bring the food to me and if I can't be bothered doing the exercise it doesn't matter if I get sick I'll just go see the doctor and they'll give me a pill and it'll be fine and, and that's it like the it's too easy to stick with the easy choice but, which means making the hard choice is so much more valuable and then there's the reward from doing from making the hard choice you get the reward like you get the bigger reward for doing the harder thing yeah you do but that's why it's hard <laughs> like, you've got to do the work people just uh, and and i say this to people all the time like they're like oh god what's the shortcut like the shortcut's easy do the work that's it that's, that's the fastest way it's like everyone wants to go i want to do you know is there a quick way to do this or is it no no because it'll fail and you'll be back at the start again and then you'll do that two or three times and then you'll get shitty about it and you don't want to do it. Like The quickest way for you to get from where you are now to where you want to be is just start and do the work, the honest, real work. And do it once and do it right and you will bypass everyone else who's going to try 18 shortcuts on the way and not get there. And now you're there and they're still figuring out how to try and do it. What's the shortcut? Do the work. That's oh, it. Man, I love that. Because I, I like, I'm, and I say this, I'm drawn to like, I'm drawn to alpha manly things. Like, I'm drawn to axes. I'm drawn to sawing wood and building things. I'm drawn to like breaking stuff. I'm drawn to hunting. I, like, all that stuff. It, like, I'm drawn to war movies. I'm drawn to action films. Like, that's what piques my interest. That, that's where You're a manly I'm man doing manly things. And, and yeah, so when you say do the work, it's like, Man, yes, I'm fired up. I want to go do the work now. What can I do? <laughs> I'm going to get up from that. You yeah. know what? i got to get up and go do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of people don't want to do the work. Or they, they're getting sold a story that isn't really the work. Or that, you know, it's just... And that, again, comes back to you having time and space to have the conversation with yourself about what the work looks like. So there's the decision to go, I'm going to put the stick in the ground, man, and go, that's it. I'm not, we, we stop here, and we're going to go forward to where I want to go. But then you've got to be able to have that time and space to have that conversation with yourself to go, what does the work really look like, the honest work, to get from here to over there? And there's nothing wrong with needing help to do that. Like, everyone needs help. That's okay. That's, that's good. Like, 
elite athletes have coaches. Like, if you're a normal person and you need help, that just makes you normal, man. Like, if the best in the business need a coach, it's okay if you need some help with some stuff. That's fine. Um, but find yourself someone who resonates with you and doesn't try and sell you the shortcut. Someone who goes, dude, you're going to have to do the work. Cool, you found yourself the right person. Let's get into it and do that. You're like... Hey, don't take, don't, don't go the, this drill, this skill, this, whatever it is, like the practice that it takes, that this is important right now. You may feel like this isn't sexy. This doesn't look pretty. Like what you're doing is annoying. Like is, this isn't what you signed yeah. up for. But when you get done doing all these drills, you're going to do the things that you want to do and do them better. And, and the stuff that we're getting you to do may not be pretty or may not make sense to you or it may not look good on Instagram, but it's the right thing to do. <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast a while ago now and it was talking about um, Elliot Kipchoge, so the, that crazy marathon runner. It was talking about his training program and he's a guy who just broke the two-hour mark for the marathon. And looking at his training, the vast majority of it was just slow, cruisy stuff. Um and you look at it and go, it wasn't flashy or pretty. He didn't do some super elite secret hill running program or whatever. He just went out and did the work. And, and to anyone else looking at it, go, wow, that looks really boring. He just did, you know, really slow base building school stuff. And what happened? He became super elite. Like it's just, it doesn't always have to be flashy or make a lot of noise. It just, it's just the work. Do the right work and just do it. Well, I mean, and, and why we go. And you're one, like, for everybody that may be listening to this or, or, you know, involved in our conversation or whatever, it's not like you're talking from a place of, you know, a guy that's just a motivational speaker. Like, you've been out there and done the thing from ground zero to, like, now. You know, starting from zero yeah, to... Yeah, I've had wins and losses along the way. Like, I've had... In sports, as you and I have talked about, like I've had climbs and races that have been successful and ones that have been complete disasters. And the same in business. I've had businesses that have been really successful. I've had others that I've started and shut and gone, that just did not pan out the way I thought it was going to pan out. Um, Sam, I was in property development for a long time. I had some wins and had some losses and had some, you know, true or break even kind of things. And, and you have all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, it's kind of you just you just got to keep adding value. Like you just got to keep doing the work and and doing it in a way that adds value in the right way, rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it or doing it because you want it to look a certain way. How do you how do you deal with the failure in your business stuff? You know, it's it's one thing to deal with your failure in you know you don't complete a race and it means a lot, but then mm. you know you go home and you have your kids and everything. But then for people like for us. For everybody living the everyday life, you know, they got to pay their bills and they've got their jobs. Failure at that is catastrophic. Yeah, I guess there's two ways to look at it. First, is it, is it catastrophic because all of a sudden I can't pay the mortgage and that kind of stuff? And that's that's a like that's a real world issue. That's something you've got to you know we've got to do something about that. That can be really hard to to pick yourself up from, and we'll come back to that. Um, another thing is. is the, the kind of the ego hit because you valued yourself based on I, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a, I'm a business owner or whatever it is and I put all my eggs in that basket of how I value myself based on that and when that doesn't pan out all of a sudden you're like am I now worthless or you know less valuable than I was before um, so I think looking at that aspect and this is where I think two things that mountain climbing helps because when you're out mountain climbing you're kind of really you can't like if you do a race you can pull out 
and you can stop and get picked up by a support crew and all that kind of stuff. But when you're mountain climbing, it's a case of if, you, if you're stuck on the mountain and you've got to pull out, you're still stuck on the mountain. Like, you, you're still here <laughs> and you still have to deal with the realities yes. of what you're doing. You have, to get, you have to extricate yourself out of that place. Um, so you have to learn to go, okay, um, I can sit down and cry about it, but when I've done that, I'm still sitting here. So I have to actually get up and, and then go do whatever I need to do to move off the mountain or get myself out of here or whatever it is. Um, so I think that builds some resilience around, you know, okay, this has happened. And we can we can feel a certain way about it, but the reality is it still happened and we still have to deal with it. So why don't we get to work with the dealing with it? Um, and then the, the flip side is that when we go back to the thing of saying, well, what if it's my job and it's paying the mortgage and those kind of things? I, I think you, you, you go back and do what you can as best you can. Um, so I have, I still work in pharmacy, so I'm a qualified pharmacist, and I still work in pharmacy um, a little bit every week. And people are like, why do you still do that? Like, you've got all this other cool stuff that you do. Why do you still do that? I'm like, well, that's that's the safety net. If everything goes wrong, if everyone suddenly goes, your blogs are rubbish, and no one's talking to you, and there's no business anymore, and, and everything else falls apart. I go back to work and work full time and pay bills or do whatever it is. And like, if that's that, that's what I do. Um, so it's a case of going, you, you have to, unfortunately, as, as I think it was Kipling in his poem, if, you know, you have to stoop down with worn out tools and start again and, and start rebuilding again. I'm not saying that's easy or it's enjoyable, but sometimes that's the reality of where we find ourselves. And if you've lived, a life where you've always been in the comfort, you haven't had to make the hard choices or put yourself in the difficult places or experience discomfort or those kind of things, that journey will be infinitely more harder for you. Uh, whereas I think people who make the hard choice or choose the hard road on a regular basis in whatever other facet of life they have, that resonates in all the other aspects of their life. So when stuff goes wrong somewhere else, they're like, okay, I've, I've got some resilience to help me deal with that doesn't make it easy, but it helps me deal with that and, and start building a pathway forward. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it makes like perfect. It makes perfect sense. I mean, I really love the way you explained it. Um, it really and it really does like it hit it hits home because it's a very important thing to think about because I used to be in that and I still do get in that mindset of, you know, I've got this job and you know, we're, we're doing things and we're trying to pursue passions at the same time as I need this job because I got to pay bills and it's too scary to jump out and do this 100%. So what's the smart way to do it where I can still jump into it 100%, but then still also support a family and, you know, we're doing this as a team. Yeah. Yeah. It gets really tricky. And it's funny, like I was out on a run with a couple of mates yesterday. We were were sharing, you know, war stories of runs we've done and stuff. I would talk about it. This is a run I did with a couple of mates a few years ago. And it's weather-wise, it's the worst run I've ever done. It was a 50-miler. And it was way up in the Alpine country in, in Victoria, the state I live in. And it was horrendous. We had massive storms. Like, it's the only race I've been in where the race director was messaging, SMSing all the people in the race during the race saying, lie down. Wherever you are, if you've got trekking poles, throw them as far away from you as you can because of the lightning. And just lie down until it passes and then we'll try and figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> but I got to, mate, no, we got to about the, it would have been about the, in miles, it would have been like the 30-mile mark or 35-mile mark. And we'd missed the cutoff. So we got into this remote checkpoint. The guy's like, I'm sorry, guys, you've missed the time cutoff. You know, you've, you've been. You know, cut from the race. We're like, okay, well, what happens now? 
It's like, well, you keep going. What do you mean you keep going? It's like, we're in the middle of the wilderness, man. Like, it's 15 miles to the finishing point, so go do your extra 15 miles. Like, well, so we've missed the time cutoff, but we've still got to do the distance. What, what's different? He said nothing. You just get to the end and they don't give you a medal or the free pair of socks and you don't get listed on the finishing list. You just get a DNF. But you still want to do the distance to get to, get to the exit point. I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah. So just things like that where I think it teaches you that, you know, sometimes it just it doesn't matter how hard you try. Sometimes it just doesn't work, but you're still going to have to do the distance anyway. So do what you can, get to the end, dust off, and, and maybe you'll have a good story when you reflect back on it, you know, down the track. It's so funny that you bring that up because he, I'm sure you follow David Goggins a little bit um, yeah, with his yeah. ultra stuff. And it's less impressive, like the wins and stuff. One of his most impressive videos to me was him coming out of the hospital and finishing the whatever it is, the Moab 240 or whatever he ran. I think yeah, it was that yeah, one. That. And he's finishing it with no – the race is over. Like everybody's gone. and. Yeah. He's yeah. finishing the miles that he had left over to to finish the thing, and he's like, "This race isn't going to defeat me." And I'm like, "That is what hits home. Not winning the medal or getting the free socks or being on the podium. That right yeah. there is what hits home." Well, it's funny because I've I've talked like I do follow David Goggins, and I've talked to a lot of people about you know who are in our kind of circle of things and look at these events and that kind of stuff. And the thing that, in, in what will probably potentially be an unpopular opinion, I'd love to know about the other aspects of his life. Like he's celebrated for, you know, the stay hard and, and doing those kind of things and putting himself back out there. Um, but I wonder about what cost that may have been to balance in other areas of his life. Like you talk about, you know, how I'm trying to juggle being, you know, I've got to work and pay the bills and be a dad and be a husband and do all these kind of things and balance as well. And I think whilst a lot of the stuff he's done is super admirable, has helped a lot of people make hard choices in their life. I think it gets sensationalised as well by, you know, modern media and all that kind of stuff to go, you, you still got to have some balance in there. You've still got to respect the fact that you do wear a number of hats in your life and that you may need to make some adjustments along the way. So I think I, I, I'm fascinated by how people see him in different lights. I found that really and, and I agree, and man, the, you and I look at it the same exact way. And really yeah. listening to it, like, because I, I take what I need from his stories and his things, but I also know where, hey, I don't want to make, I'm not going to make that choice because my my stay hard is going to be for the benefit of what I like. So what I enjoy yeah. and what means the most to me. And that's what I'm going to go with. His and, and he even says in his audio book, I don't know if it's in his regular book because it's different. Uh, but yeah. he even says that, you know, don't like, I'm stupid about the way I do things. You may like, you don't have to agree. The point is stay hard. Like, you know, that's, and so yeah. to me, what I do with any of those motivational things, which they're all just motivation. Like it's me seeing me in a movie when I'm reading it or listening to it, you know, like if, if yeah. all things fall into place, if I do this, I'm going to have success, you know, and, and what that looks like and picturing it. But for me, what I take away from it when I read those books and do those things is how can I apply that to my situation, that mindset and that philosophy into my situation to make my situation better? Yeah, yeah. And you need time to reflect and understand on, on what works and what doesn't for you in your scenario. And, and I think it's good that people expose themselves to a variety of different 
things, whether it's, you know, I read different stories or see different movies or, or go out to different events or talk to different people or those kind of things, because no one's written the book yet that is, here's the perfect answer, just follow this stuff. Like, no one's figured that out yet. So you need to get as much exposure again. This comes back to that whole, you know, problems that aren't linear. You don't solve them from one line. You're going to need a little bit from here and a little bit from there and something from over there and an idea from over there. So the more you can kind of expose yourself to some of that stuff, the more you can start finding some little bits and pieces that work for you in your story, whatever your story looks like and your scenario looks like and, and kind of go from there. Well, and here's the crazy thing about your thing is that, and what I, you know, this is me watching you from America over social media, obviously, and talking to you and having conversations, but you have found a way to do something abnormal, which is be a stay-at-home dad and still be very masculine at the same time, which the, I guess the outlook from somebody else would be like, well, you lose your masculinity when you're a stay-at-home dad. Like, that's the outlook on it, you know? Um, yeah, and then, I've been doing a lot of reading about that. And, and yeah, sorry, I've, I've cut you off. No, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. This is your area of yeah, expertise. Like, <laughs> well, sometimes I'm like, I am not an expert at this yet, not even <laughs> but But I have been doing a lot of reading about that, and, and I've found that conversation really interesting with a lot of a lot of men in particular about kind of, you know, and again, this comes back to how do you value yourself? Like, do you value yourself by your job? And I, I look at going... We've got two young boys. We've got a, a, a four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, and I'm going, I can see no more valuable and important job than raising those boys. So I find great value in that. Um, and I think because I've done some crazy stuff, you know, mountaineering and those kind of things, and because I've been in business and those kind of things, that has lent me some resilience around... I don't really care if you think I'm masculine or not. I'm doing what I believe is right, and I'm going to keep doing it. And your opinion, whilst fascinating to you, doesn't really impact me a great deal because I know that I'm doing the right thing for my story and the people closest to me, and I'm going to keep doing that. Um, so I think it can be dangerous. People kind of get hung up on defining themselves again. I'm like, that's a bad thing. It's defining yourself by the job. Like, if I'm not bringing the money in, you know, we're, 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 you know, I must be the head of the household and do this and do that and do those kind of things. Well, that's that's a story you've told yourself. That's fine. Um, I could go to work full-time and my wife could stay home and I would earn more money. That's true. But I've had a lot of career time and I've done a lot of cool stuff and my wife's at a point in her career where she really wants to accelerate and do things that are important to her. And for me, the most important thing for me is being a dad to boys so we found a space from going, cool, for this period of time from when they're really young to when they're into the school system, you're going to be doing your work thing because you love it, and I'm going to be home with these boys because I love it. And that's great. And we're both really, really happy with that. And I'm not allowing myself to be defined one by the other. It's not like I've gone, well, now, because you're earning the money technically, um, you're in charge because that's how we valued ourselves. Oh, that's rubbish, man. That's just a story you're telling yourself. Do what's important, do the work, do the right thing, and, and, and enjoy that and, and realize that your life has value from all different things that you do. And the, the money is just part of that. It's just you've got to see yourself in more lights than just one. And do, like you haven't even found it at all. And this is me, I know, like I'm just speaking as like a devil's advocate type of person. Yeah. But like you haven't found it difficult at all to keep your masculinity like in that, you know, you haven't had to go do other things to 
keep yourself feel like, hey, I need to go chop some wood today to feel like a man, you know, or and take the boys with me to learn how to do that. Does that thing help, or is it just basically your mindset and your outlook on the situation and how you and your wife and you you're actually supporting your wife, which makes you like 10 times more of a man in that sense like hey go for it go for your dream like i'm here i'm supporting you you guys are a couple you're together um but have you like you haven't found it at all difficult to to keep a hold of that and do anything to to keep that thing like your masculinity there you know or and, a, and be the dad that's not a really, the mom? really good question yeah that's a really really good question and the answer is yeah it's really hard it's really difficult but it's also part of the reason why I find it really fascinating. Um, so being a stay-at-home dad and having a working wife is really interesting juxtaposition because, you know, the rest of the world kind of well, – a lot of the world works the opposite. So for me, it's been really interesting to look at it the other way. And some days you do get a little lost going, where, where do I sit in all of this? Like, what am I doing again? Like, where, what, what do I bring to the table and that kind of stuff? And you have to remind yourself that – you bring a lot of things to the table and you know for me teaching young boys about being good men and good boys and those kind of things is really really important and some of that is about getting out and chopping wood and moving the cows and cleaning out the chicken coop and and going out and being fit and healthy and and those kind of things and other parts of it is about you know supporting other people and understanding your role in the family and those kind of things and sometimes i do need to get out and do you know as, as a joke you've got to go out be manly men doing manly stuff. And I think that's where going out and doing ultra racing or climbing mountains or those kind of things allows me to reconnect with a bit of that inner caveman to get out and just, you know, do your stuff and get get filthy and throw yourself against nature and see how that goes. But I recognise that I need to do that and I go and do that. And I'm fortunate that I'm in a relationship where we support each other to do that. Like, it's it's... Yes, she gets a lot of support from me, but it's a two-way street. I get a lot of support. So when I come back and go, hey, I want to go to Canada for two weeks and do this stupid race in the Arctic that no one's ever heard of, she's like, I get it. Okay, this is one of the things you do. That's that's part of you and that's part of the deal and what we both signed on for. So cool. Let's have, how do we make that happen? So I, it, it, it isn't a walk in the park. I don't want people to think, oh, he's just a stay-at-home dad and he's nothing and he doesn't give us stuff if people don't like it. It's like, no, it's really challenging. And I often have to look back and, and like I said early on, take that time every now and again, bit of quiet time and reflect and go, hey, you, you, you're doing some good stuff here. You're adding some value and stuff that's really, really important. So don't undersell yourself on that. Um, masculinity isn't about I'm bringing the money home and I'm in charge and this is how we operate. Well, if that's your definition, that's, that's cool. You do your thing. But my definition is slightly broader than that. Uh, and that allows me to operate in a way that makes me happy. Yeah, I, I love the way you explain that. I mean, I, I, it's it's a fascinating thing to me because I've often thought that I could do the same thing, but I would mm. I would be me still. Like I would still, and mm. the only difference would be I, I would wonder how it would affect the kids because it, I would take them out and do all the things that I like to do. But then at the same time, you know, you have responsibilities. I had to t- I take, you take a step back and look at it and seeing somebody like yourself and watching it and seeing it, you, you go, oh, it's really no different than any other thing you do. There's goods and there's bads. There's things you like and there's things you dislike about what you got to do. And you got to do the things you dislike to do the things that you like to do with it. And that's, 
it's a job like any other job, and it sucks sometimes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> sometimes like, you get no, a really bad performance appraisal from your kids. No, and some days you don't, you know, and it works both ways. I thought I should have a caveat in there and say that because um, you're raising a point. For some people, it's just not a viable option. They're like, I'd love to stay home with my kids, man, but I've got to pay the mortgage, and that's just what I do. And you know. I had a period in my life, it was about a 10-year episode in my life, where um, very early on, and this is kind of from my, I would say, where are we, probably mid-20s to kind of early 30s, um, somewhere around that gap, where I worked 24-7, seven days a week, 365. Um, you know, I put the rest of my life in the, in the bin and just worked. Um, and that allowed me, and I, and I don't regret that. Like, I did that by choice, and I loved it, and it set me up to do a lot of the things I do now. But I, I did the work and paid those bills, and, and that set me up to allow me to do this. So I don't for a moment not recognise how fortunate I am to be in a position that I can stay at home and do that, knowing that I did do the work early on to, to, to give me that head start to allow me to do that. But for some people, I realise they're like, dude, I just can't do that. Like, I've got to work all day, and I've got a job, and I've got to pay bills, I've got a mortgage, and all those kind of things, you've got to balance it. That's cool, but there's a lot of your day, and your week, and your year when you're not at work. So make sure that you respect and value the stuff that you do when you're not at work, because you're more than, you know, what it says on your business card. Don't let that cloud or that label allow you to have an excuse about not doing something somewhere else you're more than just what's on the business card that's the most important thing is the real like we've, we've had all these conversations of different things and see you've been you go and talk to all the different businesses the high school kids to you know women that work to men that work you know and, and a lot of couples nowadays both of them have to work to bring the bills and that's just the way life is yeah. And and it's it doesn't matter what spot you're in in life. It's how you handle that situation, what you do, and then when you're done with your work, make sure you enjoy every single moment that you have doing something you really love to do. Mm, yeah, and, and and don't and appreciate the fact that you're doing that, and give yourself a pat on the back every now and then. Go, man. You, it can be really tough, but if you're doing a good job, then give yourself a pat on the back and say you're doing a good job, man, and, and let that be part of your story and the value that you bring to the table. Um, you know, some days you go, oh, man, I'm a working dad, I'm flat out, I, you know, I feel like I'm not present or know enough at home or whatever. But then take a moment and go, what are your kids seeing? Are they seeing a great work ethic and a dad that comes home or a mum that comes home and is still engaged with your kids and wants to know what they did with their day and is ready to get books and then they go to bed and all that kind of stuff and go, okay, you, you might not be home all day because you're at work, but what are the kids seeing from that? They're seeing, okay, I'm trying to teach them a good work ethic and, and when you come home, you're still a part of the family and you, you, know, you, you add value to that and you're integrated with that and you're, you're doing all the right things. It's like, don't, don't underestimate the value of, okay, this is my lot, man. I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And there's no two ways about that. That's just my life at the moment. Cool. Well, let's make sure you see it in a light and you're delivering it in a way that still adds value and you can still feel good about it. You know, don't, don't, it's very easy to beat yourself up over where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah, man. This has been so much fun, Paul. I have had an absolute, <laughs> I've had an absolute blast. Like, I really, it just makes me want to go go to Australia even more now and visit and just meet you in person and say hi. 
Excellent. That would be awesome. We're going to figure out a way to make it happen, either me over there or you over here or what have you. I love it. You sit at the start, you're like, where do you want to go with this? I'm like, I don't mind. Let's ask some questions and we'll see where we end up. And I think they're the best conversations because you just kind of get into the stuff that's, that resonates and you enjoy and you want to talk about. They're the good ones. I agree. That's why I don't really, I never do written questions. I don't do things. It's just basically bullet points. And then like, I had an idea of what, what I wanted to talk to you about. And then I was like, Hold on a second. I read these things and, uh, well, here we go. Let's go for the ride now. <laughs> Let's hold on. Well, um, I, is your book finished? Uh, I, I don't want to end the podcast without asking about your book and what you've got going on there and where you're speaking, you know, your public speaking stuff, if you charge for it, if it's just private events and give all that information out. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. So I do a lot of speaking and it's a mix of um, like corporate work, schoolwork, I do some pro bono fundraising stuff, so it's a whole mix of all that kind of stuff. Um, the book, everyone says writing a book's hard work. I'm like, yeah, I know it's hard, but you know, I'm disciplined and I do the work and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's hard. <laughs> so, so I've got, um, I think when I spoke to you in like May, I had like 30,000 words done and I'm up to about 55 at the moment. So as a case of going, it was easy at the start where you just like brain dump of, you know, the, the stories of my climbing and, and racing and that kind of stuff. But now I'm into the thick, meaty stuff of going, what are the learnings and the takeaways and, and you know, what's the, the really important stuff that's in the background behind all that kind of stuff you can take away? And that takes a lot longer to actually write. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. it it's, it's starting to come together quite well now, which is nice. So one of my goals for the next couple of months is to actually get that finished and, and done and kind of and happening so uh so that's been good so yeah between a lot of uh public speaking and consulting work and trying to write a book and then and still you know actively being a dad i'm still getting out and getting a lot of running in this year i want to get a lot of kind of local events in which is good just to get out and um really there's what I did some more research about kind of what's around locally there's actually i found a lot of like ultras and stuff that i can get out and do local here and enjoy and, and be in that community so I'm looking forward to a lot of that this year and then there's everyone going what's next what stupid thing are you going to do next so there's plenty of research into that because it's that that whole juggling act of going there's people throwing stuff I think we could do this we could do that we could do that and I'm looking at it going that sounds really cool but why do you want to do it and like you know I know the training volume that's involved and therefore sacrifices that I will make and my kids will make and your wife makes so they need to do all these things so is it the right choice is it the right thing is it really important to you and just kind of making sure that you pick the right next thing in terms of doing a big thing uh, making sure that it kind of fits in with all the other stuff that's going on in your life and that's been a bit of a juggling act so yeah other than that, you know, nothing much. <laughs> <laughs> nothing much. Yeah. Well, um, I guess Rogue Scholar on Instagram, that's where we can find all yep. of your other stuff, right? Yeah, if you hit me up there, you'll find everything else from there. So you'll that'll get you to my website and blogs and, and all those bits and pieces, and you can have an insight into, into all the different bits and pieces that make up my somewhat ridiculous life. And you do have do you have a YouTube channel as well? I do, yeah. And you can, uh, again, Rogue Scholar, if you find on Instagram, there's a link tree in there and that'll take you all that kind of stuff. So that's got some excerpts and little videos from some of the present, bigger presentations I've done and stuff and that'll give you a bit of an insight into some of the stuff I talk about. Uh, and I'm hoping to kind of get my butt more organised into getting some more videos and stuff up there. So 
Uh, at the moment, I'm just kind of getting a focus on the writing, but hoping to kind of diversify and get a lot more volume of stuff out there. For me, I think I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can, I have a skill of, of talking and writing, and I want to make sure that I add value and put something out into the, you know, the discourse for people to talk about and learn and get something out of it. I don't want to be someone who's like, I did a thing, I'd write a book, and please buy the book, and, and that's it. It's like, I'd rather go, I did a thing and I've learned a lot of stuff and I want to share and put that out and create conversation and give people something to kind of chew on for a while and add value in that regard. Man, I love it and I can't wait to like to read it, read the book. And if anybody listening, go check out, go to Rogue Scholar, click on the link tree and his, his blog post, latest post I think is how you get there with the button. Uh, but it yep. it's... The the reads are fantastic. Uh, I know I have uh, several people from the last podcast you were on. They come up to me all the time, like, "Man, I read his latest post, and it's just like fantastic. It's great." So, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean that. that yeah, I'm not, and that that happens to me all the time. I just walk up, like, "Hey, you know that guy you had on the podcast? <laughs> I read his blog the other day because he did this post. And man, it is a really great read. Like, he's <laughs> it just inspired me." <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if anybody's listening, go check it out, follow it. It it really is wonderful. He really does have a great talent. Uh Paul, thank you so much for being on again. Uh hopefully we can do it a third time, man. This is this has been a blast. My pleasure, Aaron. I love it, man. We, I always really enjoy our chats, man. So anytime um, more than happy to and if I ever actually finish this book I'm going to trade you a book for some coffee and we'll, we'll both be in a good place absolutely man absolutely I gotta see what the like I gotta see about shipping you some coffee over there just because because I know you drink coffee all the time I see the post and I want to put I've got two young kids man I've got to drink the coffee yes <laughs> yeah it's the drug that you need <laughs> <laughs> what we I mean, all have the things we're addicted to, man. Yes, yes, man, for real. And that's one addiction I don't want to give up. So, <laughs> but anyway, Paul, thank you so much uh, for being on, man. And best of luck on the book. Everybody go follow him. And uh, I guess with that, it's a wrap, man. Thanks, Aaron. Pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the podcast and listening to this conversation. Thank you to Paul again for being so awesome and coming on the show. Don't forget the website for the coffee blends, any of the sponsors at the first, and like, rate, review, and most important, subscribe to all of our different channels. It really does help us out. Until the next episode, see ya.